Episode 2 Birth I'd love to be able to tell you that my experience on the mountain had prepared me for all of this. I'd reached some Zen type of acceptance that I took it all in my stride. I didn't. I screamed and I opened my eyes. Morning, she repeated. I'm still here. With my eyes open, I couldn't see her exactly, but I could feel her sitting on the edge of my bed. Believe me, I know how it sounds. And my first reaction was to get myself off to the hospital immediately and get my brain scanned because I was obviously having some sort of psychotic episode. Or maybe I had a brain tumour. Or was I having a stroke, perhaps? I held my breath. All was quiet. Maybe I'd eaten a dodgy mushroom in Scotland and I was having some kind of delayed hallucination. Yes, that was probably it, drugs. Mm. Yes, I lay back on the bed and closed my eyes and took a deep breath of relief. My relief was short-lived. Look, we don't have time for this. You're not drugged, you're not ill, and you're not insane. We've got work to do. Can we get on with it now? With my eyes closed, I scanned the room. I could see her then. She was sitting on the bed watching me. The first thing I noticed was she was much smaller than I remembered. I suppose that would obviously be the case, as when I'd last seen her, it was me who'd been so much smaller. I stopped seeing and hearing her when I ran out of childhood. To be more accurate, I stopped up the ways in so she couldn't get to me anymore. I plugged up my dreams and I no longer visited the landscape of my mind where we used to go for walks together. I tuned out her signal and let in the voice of man and logic instead. I didn't miss her, I was far too busy. Too busy learning and then too busy earning. Too busy being important. But I should have known better. She hadn't gone away at all. She was just waiting. Of course she was. She'd waited 500 years in a cave for me. She wasn't about to go away just because I wanted her to. What do you want from me? I said, or rather the voice in my head said. She laughed. It was a beautiful, rich and surprisingly young sound. You've got that arse about face, haven't you, child? It's not what I want from you, but your needs what made me fetch up here. She paused and stroked the sheets gently. Nice linen, good quality. She broke away from her reverie. Right, child, you want magic in your life and I am willing to teach you. The price you pay for my wisdom is that you must share it. Keep it to yourself and your power withers and fails. Share it with your sisters and the men with enough of Luna in them to be able to hearken and you will become a magical creature. Exciting and animal, proud and true. I can aid you make this your time 
and you will do it through writing. You will take yourself deep into the land of hypnosis, into the landscape we used to share. And I will share my magic with you there. You will allow me to use your hand to write and your mind to interpret my words so your sisters and true brothers will understand what's being said. You will be the instrument and I will write through you. I found myself shivering as she spoke. All the while, her voice grew stronger as my desire for her gift grew too in strength. Could it be possible? Could Mother Shipton call across time and teach? Because this is who it was, sitting bolt upright on my bed, a long dead witch, one of the most famous in England. And anyway, why would I want to listen? Your link to the male has grown strong, child. You're logical, analytical, I will believe it when I see it, mind, maybe a barrier for you. We shall see. Are you ready to believe in magic, to make things happen, to be an enchantress, to use your language? Call me. She laughed, and the laughter faded into the sound of branches beating against the skylight. I opened my eyes and I looked up. She was gone. I couldn't see her, or hear her, or feel her anymore. I lay on that bed for an hour or more thinking. The more I thought about it, the less comfortable I was with the whole idea. This entire situation was fraught with trouble. Trouble, the word, didn't even come close to describing what was happening to me. Point number one, I'm talking to myself. Point number two, I think there's someone else in my head. Point number three, I'm contemplating carrying out the suggestions being made to me by this other voice. Diagnosis, mental illness, no question. I obviously needed therapy and drugs. Lots of them, probably. Great. Just what I needed to lose the plot when things were going so well for me. I stared out through the skylight at the dusky clouds beginning to form. But things weren't all going well, were they? I was lonely, unhappy, and bored with my life. I was isolated and moody and petty. I was okay, enough self-flagellation, it never really suited me. I had always preferred action over analysis. I'd arrived at this place where I was supposed to be happy and I wasn't. This was not what I'd bought into. I had the car and the house and the oak floorboards and the smeg fridge and I still wasn't happy. What the hell was wrong with me? Had I missed a bit somewhere, the part where you have an inner life, the bit where you become happy and, dare I even say it, content? 
One thing was for certain, I couldn't go back to the old version of me. I had lost the capacity to be that person. Besides, she was resting peacefully on a mountainside, safe and protected. I didn't feel mad. Not crazy mad, anyway. Mother had come to me as a child and taught me. So why not now? My mind was made up. At least it would be interesting. I lay there in the gathering dusk, waiting for her to come back. She didn't. Eventually, I fell asleep and dreamed for the first time in years. The dreams were vague, but beautiful. Beautiful impressions of a melancholy tone. I didn't feel sad exactly, but more like the poor kid in the Victorian novels, pressing my nose up against the toy shop window where the adored children with rich parents chose their treats. Was that it? Was I always going to be on the outside looking in? Or could I walk into the shop and make myself happy? The dreams continued throughout the night, cycling through my sleep. I woke early with a banging heart and the feeling that I'd forgotten something really important and that if I didn't remember it there and then, there'd be hell to pay. My head hurt and I felt exhausted, like I'd got a cold coming on. Later, washed and dressed, I picked at my muesli. It had no taste at all. I pushed the bowl away. I'm eating dust and water, for goodness sake. How can that make me happy? I was starting to get irritated by the smallest things. My apparent choices, like eating muesli for breakfast, was that a choice? Or was I just conforming? Why was I eating food that didn't nourish me just because other people told me that was the right thing to do? I threw the sorry mess into the waste disposal and walked to Ozzy's Caf off Marlebon High Street. There I ate the first full English I had tasted in years. It was bliss. I picked up a newspaper that somebody had left on a seat and read about the doom and gloom in England. Don't do this. Don't do that. The world is terrible. The English are being preyed upon by the terrorists, asylum seekers, work shy lying lowlifes who bleed our country dry and on and on and on. I had a second cup of tea and started the paper again, scanning for one bit of good news. One small redeeming feature, one kitten rescued from a well in Dorset. Well, it wasn't there. I started to feel sorry for the people who read the news every day. How could you be happy when you were letting all of this crap into your life? How did they ever leave the house for fear? It wasn't just this rag, it was all of them preaching the gospel of fear and hate to the masses. Okay, there were some exceptions, but sadly, they proselytized to their own version of the converted, smugly, eco-preachy nimbies. What was happening to me? I felt as if I was the only person who could see that the whole of the British press were on a campaign trail, not to tell the news, but to keep groups apart from each other. Social cohesion in a daily paper. Pick your group and stick with it. Only read what conforms to your long-held beliefs. Do not challenge yourself, because it then means you are going to have to think to change. 
to do something about it. Breakfast paid for, I decided to let my Saturday drift. There had been no personal calls while I was away. Said it all, really. I could disappear tomorrow and no one would really mind too much. Maybe some of my clients would have a momentary blip, but they'd soon find someone else to listen to their problems. Mother was spot on about one thing. I wanted magic in my life very badly indeed. I wanted special things to happen around me. I wanted to feel alive, something which was completely lacking right now. Trouble was, I didn't really believe in it. Magic, that is. Magic was for people who wouldn't take responsibility for their own lives, their own happiness, right? Magic was for dreamers and wasters, people who hung plastic fairies from their rearview mirror and wore Indian print dresses and cardigans. I did not fit into that category, ergo I could not possibly believe in it. Hmm. All that aside, the breakfast had filled me and I felt happy and satisfied. I walked through Hyde Park, then down Exhibition Road and mooched around in a bookshop there. It was a proper shop, not a chain inside. It was slightly tatty, a bit smelly and overcrowded. And the smell was of book. The girl behind the counter was reading. And when she rose to serve a customer, she made comments on their choice of book. I loved being in there. Being there made me feel bohemian and intellectual. What a fraud. <laughs> I bought a book anyway. Something with a beautiful cover about travels in India at the end of the 1800s. I'd go home and escape into its pages. And so it was that my Saturday drifted on. For my lunch, I went to Paul's in Marlebon and ate rich, sweet cake and drank proper coffee with full fat milk and extra sugar. I could feel my eyes rolling in pleasure and I wanted to stamp my feet like a child in excitement at my own naughtiness. I was having a great day. Simple pleasures, guilty pleasures. I knew I'd regret it later when I stepped on the scales, but for once I didn't give a damn. Okay, Scarlet, tomorrow is another day. Sunday, as a matter of fact, and you can do it all over again. My weekend went by in an orgy of food and reading. I ate only what I wanted, accompanied my evening meals with champagne. I wore my best undies and high heels, even though there was no one there to see it. I wanted to be the kid inside the shop, not outside. At least for the weekend I could pretend. Sunday evening came and I lay out my clothes, ready for Monday. I would be lecturing all day. A whole day of medical students, questioning and eager or bored and resentful. It was my job to feed knowledge into their heads. The thought brought me no joy. My beautiful Vivian Westwood suit hung empty and limp, like a marionette with the stockings and high-heeled patent court shoes laid out neatly close by. Her uniform the clothes that others responded to when talking to Ursula. To be truthful, I know the clothes had been chosen specifically to have others draw certain impressions from it. That I was strong, ballsy, sexy, but in an intimidating, stroke-controlling kind of way. Borderline sadomasochistic, what do I know? 
So people saw the image and bought into it. Why should they look any further? People see what they want to see. And I had created Ursula just as effectively as a writer creates a character in a book. Created with broad brushstrokes so the reader can flesh out the gaps in their own image. I went through the week on automatic. Lectures, clients, meetings. Lectures, clients, more meetings. All the while, part of me was screaming out, Look at me! I'm different! I'm not who you think I am. I don't know who I am, but I know I am not this person anymore. Still, they reacted to the suit and the voice and the high-heeled shoes, and all through the week I slept badly, dreaming of my inner landscape, the place I used to visit as a child, but not able to go there yet. All week I ate whatever I wanted to eat, and went nowhere near the scales. I was too scared. Finally, Saturday came to visit my home again, and this time I was ready. Books, food, pyjamas. Door locked. I wasn't going anywhere. Whatever all this stuff was that was happening to me, I needed time to think. Time to make a plan and get on with it. I had my moleskin book and best lamy pen ready, propped myself up on every cushion I could find, and sat cross-legged and pyjamaed on the bed. Pen poised over the virgin page. Nothing happened. Absolutely bugger all. I flipped back the page to the head sheet and wrote my name carefully on the line where it said, Name. I flipped the page back and tried again. Problems, I wrote in capital letters. Then I went to the back of the book and wrote another header. Solutions. Well, it was a start. I flipped back to the problems page and started on it. Ten minutes. Twenty minutes. Half an hour went by and I was ready, poised to write it all down. Finally, I wrote... I want magic to be real. Hmm. Didn't expect that. Quick flick through to solutions. Call mother, I wrote. I threw the book to the end of the bed and sprawled out on my back, looking once more through the skylight at the clouds above. I drifted. In the end, I did the only thing I could think of, and that was to go to the bathroom scales and see how much damage my binge had done. I climbed on, holding my breath as if that helps, and looked down. I'd lost three pounds in weight. I climbed off again and reset the dial. Nope, there was no mistake. I'd eaten whatever I wanted to all week and I'd not gained an ounce. I had actually lost weight. Now, if mother was trying to send me a message that magic was real, she got through on that one. There's nothing like losing weight without trying to make a woman sit up and listen. Okay, mother, I'm calling you right now. 
I hate myself and my life and I want to believe in magic. Can you hear me? I stepped off the scales. Nothing. Great. I was losing weight and my marbles at the same time. Not very patient, are you, child? Mother was sitting on my bed, smiling at me. It's not like dialing someone on the phone and expecting me to be sitting next to it, waiting for your call. I am a busy woman, you know. Her smile widened. Yes, I know about phones and the internet and television. I've been able to hear and observe as the world has developed. She wrinkled her nose at the last word. Developed, but not changed, I think. Child, it is time for you to discover your true self. I will guide and instruct you. But this time, bloody well, listen. I do not take kindly to being shut out. I allowed it as you were a child then. You are a child no longer and I will treat you as an adult. It is time to make magic. I sat down beside her. Did you make me lose all that weight, even though I've been indulging myself all week? No, you did. You momentarily let the idea of magic rest in your mind. You made this happen. Let the male way come back into your thoughts and you'll talk that way right back on again. I opened my mouth with more questions. No more questions. We do this my way. My way? meant that she would use my hand whilst I was in hypnosis to automatically put down her words. There would be no filter of my conscious awareness. I would not be allowed to know what she was writing until it had been put down in its entirety by her. I agreed to her terms. What had I got to lose? Okay. My reputation, my clients, my financial security, well, that's all. Right now, I didn't care. I felt so empty and tired and truly aware that no one would really miss me if I disappeared tomorrow. That it felt worth it. What would you give up for a little magic in your life? The ability to make things happen. Make wonderful things appear in your life. And terrible ones fade out. It had to be worth it. Worth a try anyway. Regardless, if I had lost the plot and gone completely bonkers, I'd already lost everything anyway if you know what I mean. So I created the time and the space for her to use me as a tool 
for getting her magical story out there into our world. From then on, it was quite simple. I would take myself into hypnosis and meet Mother in the countryside where we used to walk when I was a child. She would talk to me of nature as we walked, pointing out useful herbs and flowers as we did, just like we used to. She would test me to see how much I had remembered about the significance of each season and moon phase. When our walk finally carried us to the house where she used to live as a child with Agnes, her mother, she would make a fire and we would sit together. Then she took my hand and carried it over the page. Her magic was to come out in my hand. Not in my handwriting though. The writing was distinctly hers, large, scratchy and florid. It was a slow process at first as it took me a long time to tear my eyes away from the page and allow her to write unseen by me. I wanted to look, but she wouldn't let me. She said that if I did, I would start to influence the words, turn them into something different. She kept telling me that the male in me was too strong and it would be the ruin of me. And I kind of knew what she meant. The temptation to peak was very strong, but I resisted it. And all the while I continued on my normal course, in my day-to-day -day life of teaching, seeing clients and having meetings. Business. Busyness, as usual. The moleskin book was starting to get full, so I bought another. I'd asked Mother a couple of times how long it would take to complete and when I could look, but she stared at me from her seat by the fireplace until my question faded in my throat. I knew what her response would be. It will take as long as it will take. I, however, was starting to get restless and impatient. It had been seven months since my birthday and taking leave of myself on the mountain. I wanted to get on with my new life. Another two months and three moleskins later, I walked beside Mother to Agnes's house. She walked past it this time and I followed her through the cornfield to the foothills where she sat down on a rock, waiting for me to catch up with her. I did, looking out at the gentle valley with its farm and village in the distance. This is my world. Its boundaries are without limit. In here I can fly anywhere I wish. There is no time here either. I visit your world as easily as the farmer took me in his cart to York. I watched the shadow of the clouds moving over the hills in the distance. I free you from your charge now, child. You can now take the books.
and learn from them. Then you must write it down for others to learn. Share the knowledge. Remember that. With any luck, you will not hear from me again. I turned to face her, but she was gone, and I was no longer on the hillside, but back in my bedroom with a pen still in my hand. It ached. I had almost forgotten the joy of writing by hand, but now my hand was cramped like an old woman's. I put the moleskin books together in my bureau drawer, and I ran a bath. Not just any old bath. Candles, incense, bubbles, music. I deserved it. The moleskins could wait. books there for another three weeks until I was ready. I took a holiday from work, cleared my diary and prepared myself to learn. When I started to read, I soon realised that there was a very logical structure to it all. It was practical and methodical and it would easily translate itself into a modern piece of writing. In and among the method was mother's own story but I decided that it wasn't relevant or necessary to share that part of the writing. It would only confuse and slow down the narrative. It would take work, but I knew I could do it. I would learn it for myself. I would be the guinea pig. After all, who would want to read a book about magic if the author themselves wasn't magical, if they hadn't used it to transform their lives? This was surely what Mother wanted me to do. She didn't come again. Even when I tried to visit her home, I couldn't quite make it there. She was stopping up the ways in just as I had with her all those years ago when I was a child. Fair enough. She wouldn't want to be bothered by my questions. I had the knowledge now. It was up to me to use it. Times when we are 